Thank you for joining us today on Drawing Near. This podcast is designed to help in drawing near to God through reading God's Word and then applying its truths to our lives. If I can be of assistance to you, feel free to reach out to me through my email address in the description section of this podcast. Today on Drawing Near, the Lord Jesus dispatches his disciples to prepare for the feast. It's hard to know what was on their minds. Jesus had been sharing many things that were difficult to fathom. Now they began to prepare for an unforgettable communion. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 22 as we study the Passover preparation. As we get ready for today's study, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we ask that you would guide our hearts and minds as we begin to look at this solemn series of scriptures. These events are the most serious events in all human history. All of human history has been leading up to these things, and all of human history will point back to them. And yet this is a transition period that paves the way for what you desire to do in the end of days. Father, we pray that you would give us wisdom and discernment. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I hope you follow along as we begin reading Luke chapter 22, verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. According to Luke's gospel, the day of unleavened bread was the day when the Passover lamb must be killed. According to Exodus, we are told that the lamb needed to be brought into the house to be among the family on the 10th day of the month, and then it was to be killed, slaughtered, on the 14th. We can assume that this day of unleavened bread was the 14th day of the month, unless somehow the way Luke is explaining things is misunderstood by me. So then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed, and so Jesus sends Peter and John to do the work. I'm assuming to kill the Passover, to prepare the food, to roast the meat, to prepare everything, and get ready for the disciples to share the Passover with the Lord. I'm also assuming that they had done this before, that he had shared this Passover meal with them in the past. So in verse 9, they said, where do you want us to prepare? In verse 10, he says, behold, when you enter the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Now, how does Jesus know that there's going to be a man with a pitcher of water who's going to be serving another man who has space enough for the disciples to eat the Passover meal and is willing to let them do that? We can only assume that Jesus is doing this under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It is certainly not logical that Jesus had prepared in advance to have a person ready to carry a pitcher of water to a house and the disciples to see him All of that is just beyond comprehension. And so under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords makes preparation and he tells his disciples how to do that. 
And so we're told that when they find this man, they're to go to the master of the house and they're to tell him that the teacher wants to know where the guest room is, where he may eat the Passover with the disciples. And then Jesus tells them what they're going to find. They're going to find a large furnished upper room and they're there to make ready. And it's no surprise that we're told in verse 13 that they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. So let's think for just a few moments. This is a transitional period for us. During the day, Jesus has been teaching the people in the temple. And at night, he's been going to the garden and praying. He's done this each day and each night. We have no idea what he did as far as eating or sleeping We don't know those kinds of details, but we do know that this was a challenging time for the Lord. It was leading up to the time when he would talk to his disciples, he would dispatch Judas, he would go to the garden, he would pray three times for this cup to pass from him. We know that this was a troubling time. We know also that he's been sharing with his disciples some things concerning the last days. They had asked, he was answering. He had wept over the city because of their unbelief, their rejection of the Messiah. They had not recognized what he called this their day. And so all of these things are troubling. In the meantime, at some point during this week, he dispatches the disciples to go and prepare for the Passover. And yet Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, is preparing to betray him. He's scheming, he's plotting. No doubt his heart is turbulent. His heart is angry or upset, or he feels disillusioned by Jesus, whatever it is that causes him to do this, Satan enters him and he makes ready to betray Christ. And what we're going to see in the passages ahead is all of these things coming together. As we think about all of what we've just said, we're told in verse 7 of Luke 22, then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. As I've considered this in the last couple of days, I thought about the Passover, the original Passover in the land of Egypt, where all of the people of Israel did exactly what they were supposed to. On the 10th day, they brought in a lamb. They kept it until the 14th day. Then they slaughtered it. They prepared the bitter herbs, the unleavened bread, all of these things, and then they had the Passover meal. Having slaughtered the lamb, they take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost and across the lentil so that the death angel, when he passes over Egypt, would not kill their firstborn. And we're told that God delivered the firstborn of Israel in this way. And yet, the people of Egypt did not have this message. They were not prepared. And the firstborn in all of their houses, among their children, among their livestock, they died. They were killed. All of them were killed because they had rejected God. They rejected what God had asked Pharaoh to do to let his people go. And so they all suffered. Now, there are a lot of questions we can ask about those events. But I want you to think about something. Consider all of the death that took place in Egypt at the first Passover and how God spared all of the children of Israel. The firstborn among the Egyptians died and the firstborn among the Israelites were spared. In our text, in the days ahead, After they have celebrated the Passover, we are going to watch one man die for the sins of the whole world. We're going to watch one lamb die to save the lives of the rest of the world, just like the lambs died to save the lives of the Israelites. 
It was their blood that covered their houses that permitted them to be saved, to experience the grace and mercy of God. The exact same thing is true of us. God, when he was telling Moses and Aaron what to do in Egypt, knew that thousands of years later, his son Jesus would do the same thing. He would shed his blood so that we could be covered by his blood. In his death, we could be forgiven and pardoned. Now, probably none of this is new to you, but I want you to think about this. As a result of God sparing the Israelites' firstborn, livestock and human, God required the Israelites to surrender their firstborn to him from that point on. They were to consecrate, they were to anoint, they were to give their firstborn to God. Now, they could redeem that firstborn back with an offering. They could buy it back, but the firstborn belonged to God. In other words, all of those firstborn who were spared, not just them, but all of the firstborn going forward, all of them who were spared because of the blood that covered the house, now belong to God. That's what we are. Each one of us who have been spared by God, who have been forgiven by God, who are no longer condemned by God, because of the blood that was shed for us and covers us, we now belong to God. We are consecrated to him. We are a holy people separated unto him. We belong to him, and no one can redeem us back from God. We belong to him. Romans 12 says that we're to present our bodies as living sacrifices. We are sacrifices to God, but we are alive. We are living. We are serving him. That's what we're to do. I don't know if this makes much sense to you. As I ponder these things and consider these things, I am reminded that through the blood of Jesus Christ, I have not only been saved from eternal condemnation and death, but I now belong to God. He is my master, he is my Lord, and he is my king, and I gratefully welcome his salvation and the opportunity to serve him. I don't do that perfectly, but I seek to serve him to the best of my ability, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, faithfully. As we look at these events going forward, let's not forget, Jesus doesn't simply die for our sins. Jesus dies, pays for our sins, covers us with his blood, and thereby purchases us for God. Those of us who trust in him are a purchased possession for God. We are not our own, Paul says. We have been bought with a price. So let's live as the faithful servants that we are called to be, that we were saved to be. Let's not renege on this commitment that being covered by the blood of Christ, we belong to God. Let's seek to faithfully honor him for all of his grace and mercy in our lives. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for all of your scripture, the scriptures that point to these texts, the scriptures that flow out of these texts. And Father, I pray that you give us understanding of our relationship with you because of what Jesus did. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City based on the truth that if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to us.